This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 237. 10 Things I Learned from My Second Marathon, part two, by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net, and I'm Dr. Neil. Welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, or welcome for the first time if you're new here. This is the podcast where I act as your very own personal narrator and read to you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs online, including Nerd Fitness, Ben Greenfield Fitness, Steve Pavlina, and many more. Remember, if there are any authors that you read from but would like narrated for you, come by and let us know. You can get in touch with us on our Facebook group. The shortcut link is oldpodcast.com slash Facebook. Now, today's post is a continuation from yesterday. It's longer than usual, so I read the first half yesterday and will finish the rest today. So if you're skipping around, definitely check out yesterday's episode first so that today's reading makes more sense. That's episode 236. Before we jump into part two of today's post, I wanna mention a big thanks to Health IQ for sponsoring today's episode. Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like you. You can learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com daily. Again, that's healthiq.com daily. And now, let's hear part two of this post as we optimize your life. 10 Things I Learned from My Second Marathon, part two, by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net. Three, extra weight also matters a lot. Probably the third most important factor for me that made a difference between my first marathon and the second one was my weight. I ran my first marathon about 30 to 40 pounds overweight although I had lost about 20 pounds at the time. It made things more difficult. Running long is hard to do when you're carrying extra weight. This time, I'm still a bit overweight. I could lose another 10 to 20 pounds, but I'm about 15 pounds lighter than I was last time. I hope to lose another 10 to 15 pounds by my next marathon, either at the end of this year or next March. Four, be relaxed and have fun. For most of us, a marathon is an experience, not a race. We're not racing against the other runners. We're joining them in a life-changing event. If you go out with the attitude that the marathon should be something to enjoy, you'll have a much better experience. At one point, running past the choppy ocean waters with the colorful early morning light surrounding us, I said loudly, what a great time to be alive. I smiled and cheered on my fellow runners, and I had a blast. Five, test out your gear beforehand on a long run. This is an obvious one, and I knew it before this marathon, but I violated the rule anyhow. I had tested out my shoes and running clothes and watch in my 22-miler three weeks before the marathon, so all of that was fine. But I ordered a foot pod to go with my running watch a couple weeks before the marathon, and it didn't come in until a few days before the race. I knew I was taking a risk by wearing the foot pod during the marathon, untested except for a light two-mile run two days earlier, but I really wanted to be able to have pace information in my running watch so I wouldn't run too fast. It actually helped, I think, but the foot pod bothered me the entire way, and now I have a bruise where the foot pod dug into my foot. Next time, I'm getting a GPS running watch. Six, keep your upper body relaxed. This is something I often forget. I'll go a few miles before I realize that I've been tensing up my upper body. Then I take some deep breaths and relax, shake out my arms, and stretch my upper body a bit while running. 
but the tensing takes its toll over such a long race and drains some of your energy reserves. My upper body, from my abs to my shoulders and my back, are very sore right now. Seven, plan your day before well. I know very well that you're supposed to rest the day before the marathon. However, my kids had soccer games and there was a wedding show that we really wanted to go to and my daughter had a school performance that evening. So I ended up walking around much more than I had hoped and staying up later than I had planned. And result, I was tired the morning of the marathon, which isn't smart. Also not smart, playing soccer for about 45 minutes with my son and daughter after their practice two days before the race. That was fun though, no regrets. Eight, having people to talk to is great. For the first 12 to 13 miles, I ran with a few guys who were going my pace. I didn't know them, but we just happened to be going the same pace. It was nice to have people to talk to as the race is long and your mind needs a distraction. I might never see them again, but we now have a bit of a bond from running 13 miles together. I also ran another five miles or so with another guy and that was useful. I ran the final eight miles by myself and those just happen to be the miles where you start to question whether you really want to be running this fast for this long. But I really enjoyed having people to talk to for the first 18 miles at least. Nine, have a reason to keep going at the end. In the final 5K, there were many moments when I felt like quitting. I thought how nice it would be just to walk for a while. It was hot and each mile seemed to take an eternity. But I thought of you guys. I thought of my wife and my kids who were there at the end to cheer me on and my mom and my sister who were also there. I thought of how proud I would be to finish strong. I thought of how much training I had put into this and thought about how I would regret not giving it my all. If I didn't have good reasons to keep going, I would have stopped. 10. The long run is your marathon training. Speed work doesn't matter much. My training for this marathon consisted almost entirely of my long runs on Sundays. I also ran during the week, but my mileage wasn't very high and I did almost no speed work. I did some intervals on the track a few times, but not much. It was almost all the weekly long runs and it turns out that was enough. Sure, I probably could have run a little faster if I had done more mileage and more speed work, but I don't think it was necessary. Next time, I'll probably do more mileage and start training earlier. I just started in January, but I don't think I'll do speed work. You just listened to part two of the post titled 10 Things I Learned from My Second Marathon by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net. Now you are probably more health conscious than the average person since you're actually taking the time to listen to this. And if that's the case, you deserve lower rates on life insurance. Health IQ uses science and data to secure special rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, strength trainers, cyclists, and more, even vegans, listeners like you. We're all about the research here, and Health IQ is too. They checked the numbers. They found that if you frequently exercise with intensity, On average, you have a 22% lower cancer risk, a 56% lower heart disease risk, and up to 34% lower risk of early death. But even though you might be part of this group, it's common for life insurance companies to penalize you for family history, pre-existing conditions, and your BMI. Yet you don't get rewarded for being active either. That's where Health IQ comes in. They reward you with special rates on life insurance for being health conscious. You can learn more and get a free quote using our link, healthiq.com slash daily. That's healthiq.com slash daily. So like I said yesterday, 
Even if you're not into long distance running or marathons, you could still use this advice for really anything else in your life. When we think about activities in general, if you're just starting to get more fit, he said number four, be relaxed and have fun. I've always stressed that it's so important to find activities that make you happy. It doesn't have to be jogging on a treadmill at the gym. But if you find activities that burn some calories and you're having fun at the same time, that's a win. He mentioned keeping his upper body relaxed when running. How important is proper gait and proper form when you're working out? So again, we can use the same information and apply it to really anything else. He mentioned having a reason to keep going, to keep pushing yourself. I'm sure there are those times when you're participating in an activity and you just wanna quit, you just wanna stop. But there's that moment when you remember something or someone that pushes you past that point and you keep going. You know, when you think of non-physical activity related things like going to work and working that extra 30 minutes of overtime to get the job done, or you're in school and you just can't wait to be done and you're thinking of quitting because what's the point? You're so stressed. But you remember, this is going to make a difference for me in the end. You remember that person who encouraged you to go to school. All of those things make a huge difference and then get you past that point when you're ready to quit. All right, that's it from me today. I hope you're having a great week and I'll see you on tomorrow's show where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, and together we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift, as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us, and remember, your optimal life awaits.